0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Top Sports over, Radio Show, over, hosted, over, hosted by Robbie D, I, Robbie, Big Mike, and Vinny the, the Shark.
2: Good morning and a happy Saturday to you all. Welcome and thank you for listening to Over the Top Sports Radio on Saturday, February 10th at 10.30 a.m. We're here with you guys for 90 minutes today. Got a great show on tap and we want you guys to be a big part of it. So give us a call at 646-716-5403, joining me, Mike, Vinny, Goons here as well the whole crew in the house today as we start to turn the page from the NFL season now looking towards spring training with an eye on that we're going to talk to former pitching coach in the major leagues Rick Peterson uh he wrote a book he's one of the great pitching coaches one of the more uh fun and exciting pitching coaches for quotes so he's going to join us for half an hour in the second hour of our show today so joining us around 11 30 or so so definitely stay tuned in for that got a lot of good questions for him he's going to talk about A lot of things uh, that he wrote in his book. He's also going to break down some pictures, some interesting pictures too. Uh, So he's a great mind, and as we turn the page towards baseball season, he's going to be our first baseball guest. So definitely uh, stay for that. But in the first hour, we got a lot of stuff to get to as well. Um, NFL turning the page, uh, some crazy stuff in the coaching world. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, NBA trading deadline too, and uh, big injury, and that's where we start, guys, because we're here in New York and uh, we did a show Monday, so we have five days off and. And we were talking about it in our group chat on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was Wednesday. When KP gets injured, you know, this stuff happens right after our show and you got to wait three or four days to talk about it. Um, but this is a, it's a bad injury, but the guy is as frail as can be. And I've said it all along and you guys have agreed with me. Uh, Chris Sports Angus now he's out for this season. And when you tear your ACL and you do it towards the end of a regular season, it's going to cost you a lot of next season. So, you know, then who was it? You, Mike? Knicks fans just can't have good things. And the Knicks will never win. Well, this is just another example.
1: Yeah, it's terrible, and uh, it's a bad injury. Like you said, twelve months. He's not Adrian Peterson by any stretch. He's going to miss some time next year. Uh, the only positive, which is very slim, that you could take out of this, is they should be a top three pick now in the lottery. You would hope. You would think. But uh, it's devastating, Vinny. They might have won too many games to get that top three pick. I mean, the Hawks are really, really bad. The Suns suck. The Nets suck. And those are teams that I can't see sucking worse than the Knicks. But, I mean, the Knicks really should start sucking now without KP. It's a devastating injury. And like Rob alluded to, it's going to take some time off next year. And uh, the Knicks trade deadline, they didn't really win too much. They traded and Gomez. The kid's 23. I hated their return. Two second-round picks, what's that really going to do it's for horrible. you? And O'Brien, Does anybody ever heard of this guy? No. And they got Emmanuel Moutier back for uh, Doug McDermott, which I'm okay with. But um, Moutier's been a bust, and a lot of people have been following him since his time overseas. And he was supposed to get recruited to SMU with Larry Brown. And he hasn't really lived up to his expectations. He's the third point guard over there in Denver. But now you get a three-point shooter out of it. The Knicks are in some trouble. I mean, it's an ACL. ACLs are never good injuries. And like uh, Rob also alluded to, he's seven-foot foreigners here in the NBA. These guys get injured all the time, and these injuries linger and linger and linger. They can't seem to get away from, them, so it's always something to be nervous about.
2: And it was such an innocent looking play. I mean, he goes to the lane, he dunks the ball, and he just lands on his right leg. And you see that all the time. Yeah? I mean, you see that with guys from as small as Bud Web to, to you know guys that knew you know seven foot four, seven foot five. Um, it, I didn't even think he landed on it wrong. Obviously, he did. Something had to happen, but it was just such an innocent looking play. You just worry about him being able to. This is the way Giannis's knee went into him while they were both landing. It was, I, didn't, I didn't see that part of the replay. I just thought, you know. After the, his the ankle injury, too, I almost
1: thought he was going to get off and be fine. Because that ankle injury earlier in the year, I thought that was a broken ankle. You tend so- to see players oversell their injuries a lot. Right. Especially the NBA, because most of them are big crybabies. <laughs> um, but once he slammed his uh, fist down yeah. the court, he knew something was up and uh, took the air out of the building. The Knicks ended up going on to lose by 20 points. They're not going to win too many games the rest of the year. So, Mike, let's become big Hawk fans. Let's
2: become big uh,
1: Suns fans. <laughs> Magic fans, anybody who is under us, we need to
2: stay the Bulls. So the Knicks, the Knicks have 23 wins, and there's 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, 5, 6, 7, eight teams with less wins than them. And you can see a couple of them passing them. I mean, the Bulls, even the Nets, I mean, this Knicks team really doesn't have much anymore. What do they have, Ennis Cantor? Oh, he doesn't not. even play in the fourth quarter. So, And they have so many more road games left, too. And they, Ennis Cantor is someone who road. I'm a
1: very big fan of. He should have been moved at the deadline as well. He's a free agent. He has value behind it. hidden Beasley, team's looking for scoring and a uh, good rebounder. Those are two guys that really could have made it a splash. They didn't get rid of O'Quinn. I'm disappointed in the Knicks deadline, especially with the injury to KP. How do you not just completely have a fire cell, clean house, and get some younger guys, even if it's just picks? And Kaepernick. They've, exactly. exactly. well, They've
2: lost five games in a row, too, at this point.
1: Yeah, and Canton, though, has a player option, so I think he's staying here. Um, he, he likes it here, but who right. he knows if KP's going to miss significant time, why would he hang around here? Right, and this is somebody that, uh, you know, got hit in the mouth the other night where he was busted open and still said, you know, I'm playing, and then I'll get surgery later on. This is a tough player. This is somebody that puts the team first, is uh, you know like that family mentality. So I really like that. Uh, you know, so I'm telling you, he reminds me of Charles Oakley. He really does that toughness that he brings. And Vinny, I love the Moutier trade like you did. You said it on Twitter. He's 21 years old. Uh, you know, he's been nothing so far, but it's so low risk, high reward and I want to see him and French Frank in the back. I Put them out there together, let them see if they can mesh. You mix in a little Trey Burke, and maybe, just maybe, you find something. It's a shame because they had so many pieces. Like, I don't know what they're doing with Trey Burke or Hernan Gomez. Trey Burke comes in there, and the guy plays awesome every time he's out there. Now, And now his value is starting to get a little high. It might have been uh, too late. Um, they can't move Noah, obviously. It was just really disappointing to see them make moves like that. But Moutier, that's a, that's a decent move. Give him another shot. He's still young, like you said,
2: Mike. And the Knicks? You know they have the injury, and they didn't have a great trade in their line. Maybe Mudiay's okay. I mean, like you guys said, he's young. He's got some talent. We'll see. He was a lottery pick. They were rumored to him.
1: You know, they liked him uh, at the draft. They wanted to draft him right. So,
2: but they've got to they, they got to do more. I, I thought. And then when they do make a trade, you hear these reports out there that they were mad and they didn't like Hernan Gomez and Porzingis speaking to each other in Spanish. I saw. Like, that. why can't the Knicks ever not, not like? <laughs> <laughs> if that's true, and I'm not sure. I'm not in that locker room. I don't have much access to the gradient I assault One of them is I a big time reporter. Frank Assola covers the Knicks all the time. He's a big car. Come- Why, Why would yeah, that I'm ever sure. be an issue?
1: Why? Uh, that can't be initiated, especially if it's your best player the right. one who's involved in it, you know? Like, I hated that trade. The Hernan Gomez trade was horrible. after well, KP goes down, let that kid play. Like that kid year, we thought this guy was going to be one of the top uh, options off the bench, yep. and he looked pretty good last year. He showed signs. He's still young, and you know what? I hope he kills it for Charlotte, because I think the Knicks made a big mistake with this guy. I He's agree. definitely a good bench player for any team in the NBA. And
2: everybody liked him last year, and he was, you know, he was one of those guys that when they talked about, oh, the next Knicks, Knicks could do this this season, he was one of the guys that people brought up. Yep. And it was just he he was just not used that way, and I don't know why Hornacek chose that, um, but it didn't happen there, so good luck to him and Charlotte. But it wasn't, you know, a quiet deadline for some other teams, most notably Cleveland. Uh, Vinny, they reshaped their entire roster, and they didn't do it in the way that we had talked about them possibly doing it in the last couple of weeks. It was just like every three minutes you're seeing – another trade, another trade to the point where I was actually checking to make sure it was the real Woj that was, like, doing it. You know, you never know when it's a fake Woj that people worked, get fooled Thomas. by, a fake account on Twitter, but it was actually the real account every time. And uh, they completely redid their roster. Do you like what they did? Uh, what do you think about Cleveland?
1: I think their return for Isaiah Thomas could have been more, especially for teams looking for expiring contracts but the Lakers certainly were. Like, the Lakers win this trade because they just freed up Cap to sign two superstars next year. And I can't see – LeBron really going there. Uh, It's going to be interesting what he does, but I can't see him staying now anymore either. But um, the Lakers made out good. They traded Jordan Carson, Larry Nash Jr. over there. The Cavs shaked up big time, and they already won. They faced the the Hawks. There was still no defense. They didn't get an interior defender. I thought DeAndre Jordan had to be the guy that went after. I'm surprised they didn't do that. I guess his asking price was too much. They have no rim protector, no size but I guess they guarded that perimeter a little better. Isaiah Thomas cannot play defense, and he definitely couldn't play with LeBron. Isaiah's the guy who commands the ball. He plays with the ball. He doesn't play well off the ball. And obviously with LeBron, that's not his game. So I know he's pissed that he's getting traded left and right. But listen, you're a free agent after next year. Maybe you can lock something up full-time. Something funny about Isaiah, now he will never get his uh, video tribute by Boston this season <laughs> because the Lakers already played in Boston. And now uh, Paul Pierce is a very happy man. He doesn't have to worry about that. So two things I take away from this, mini that I'd like to get your opinion on. First of all, I just came across ESPN at the bottom. Isaiah Thomas is coming off the bench. What do you make of that? Interesting. I mean, uh, Lonzo's still hurt, right? Uh, I can't see those two playing well together. know. that's another situation there. But I mean, Isaiah still got a lot to prove at that injury. He hasn't looked good with the Cavs. He's got to show that he can play the way he played last season. And then, have the Cavaliers now done enough to, you know, contend in the East? Because you've always said, listen, they just have to make the playoffs, and I agree with you with that. Have they done enough now where they will win the East? I still, I was. Apparently falling away from saying they're not going to win the East because they really, really were struggling. I'm still sticking to my guns. I haven't jumped off that bandwagon. Even with the shakeup of the team, I think they're going to get better. I think it's just going to get a little rough to get these guys going and have the chemistry flowing. But I still think in seven games, Boston's going to be tough to beat. I still
2: think Cavaliers is still going to do it. LeBron's the best player in the league, you know. So um, how many teams is this now for Isaiah? I mean, when are we going to uh, see this guy stick somewhere? And, and is he ever going to stick somewhere? Yeah, or, is, or is he staying, just overrated? Celtics,
1: Cavs, and uh, Lakers now. That's yeah. five,
2: and he's, what, twenty, what, three years old? 24 years old? Yeah, well, I Pretty mean. Um,
1: he's not yeah. a bad player. He just doesn't play defense. Well, he just doesn't.
2: He can't stick he somewhere. So what's wrong? You
1: thought he found a home over there in the, uh, in the Celtics over there. Like I said, if they gave out West and East uh, MVPs. He would have won the Eastern Conference MVP last season. Isaiah I mean, Thomas. He was that damn that's good. That's just
2: why it's so perplexing to me is why this guy just can't find a home and stick. I mean, he had an injury this year, which you can't fault him for, and they knew that when they made the trade for him, and they gave him a couple weeks to mesh, and that was it.
1: How bad does that trade look now, the Kyrie Irving trade? Crowder's gone, Thomas is gone. Listen, man, Kyrie Irving screwed the Cavs big time. <laughs> I mean, look what they had to do. They had to shake up their whole entire team midway through the season because of all because they had to trade for Kyrie. They had to get rid of Kyrie. He messed up this team, and then Boston's running away with first place over there in the East. Kyrie really screwed up the, Cav- the Cavaliers big time.
2: What about Toronto? Um, so is Toronto still, like, in the mix here? I, I know we've talked about Toronto before and uh, what you think of them, but uh, are they still in the mix here?
1: They're going to be in the mix. They're one of the best regular season teams of all time. In fact, I think they're the best home record in the NBA right now. 23-4. Uh, when it comes to playoff time, they just they can't beat LeBron James and seven, and I still think the uh, the Celtics are a better team than them. So uh, both of you, real quick, where's LeBron next year? Mm. I think he would be so dumb to go to the West, but there's no one in the East to open up for him. you know?
2: I mean, he's been the East. If he leaves the East, it's He leaves the it's East, crazy. the East comes crap. No becomes <laughs> crap. It's
1: unwatchable. No matter what teams can be assembled next year, no one's going to be better than Golden State. So why would you do that? I think his only shot of doing that is actually going to Houston uh, because I think him, Paul, and uh, Harden would be nice together. But, again, those are three people who need the ball in their hands. I'll tell you right time. now,
2: he leaves the Cavaliers, he's a bitch.
1: Oh, his, I wanted to leave the Cavs, so back. he's leaving. Nothing will be funnier than him leaving the Cavs again. The only other team in the East that I think can make sense, but um, just, it's not that attractive, that sexy team. It's Philadelphia. Philadelphia is young. They have the cap space. Um, but again, it's it's Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, they had That's a good a downfall. They had a crazy week this week actually over there in Philadelphia. We saw the parade. Uh, I couldn't watch it. I don't know about you guys, but speaking of Philadelphia, but the guys, guys eating horse crap. I mean. <laughs> All the stupidity um, over there. So if he brings the title there, then we just get to see more people eating horse crap. Yeah, I know. That's not exactly no, what I, I'm no, looking no, that's forward a, to. Why that's a
1: celebration thing to do, but uh, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. So.
2: Uh, what about uh, in the West? Uh, did any of these moves may you know, shake up anything for you, or is this still you know Golden State and Houston basically? Uh, you know, they're they're in a. They're, they're going to hit each other. Spurs without Kawhi can't
1: compete. Uh, T Wolves without Cousins can't compete. Uh, Carmelo Anthony's on the t- uh, the Thunder, so they can't compete. Um, <laughs> the Nuggets is a team I really like, but they don't have that superstar that can mesh with the uh, Golden State and Rockets. So that between the West, it's really going to come down to Golden State and Houston. Are you I surprised that the Clippers didn't get rid of DeAndre? I was surprised. And uh, funny, they beat Detroit last night. So the winner of that trade in terms of just one game, 60 minutes, uh, was um, the Clippers. I couldn't believe they didn't get rid of DeAndre, because if you're trading Blake, why aren't you trading everybody else? And it looks like Lou Williams got an extension to stay there as well, and he's been a stud.
2: Yeah, I actually, you know, I like the Clippers because I I, I like Tobias and I like him playing there with DeAndre. My boy. Yeah, you know, um, I I don't think that they're gonna make any noise. And I'm not the expert that you are for sure about basketball, but uh, it just seems, you know, it's it's so hard to really get into it. And I can't even have this full discussion with you guys because there's not much intrigue. You know that there's three teams, maybe maybe four teams max, that have a legit chance to win a championship this year. And that's just until that changes in the in the NBA. The train deadline, which actually seemed fun this year for NBA, but it wasn't that crazy. No, wasn't the train deadline's not going to be that exciting, and the playoffs aren't going to be that exciting. And the regular season, it's moot. I mean, there's almost no reason to watch most of the NBA season for, what, 25 teams in the NBA? I mean, what are you really watching for? Big, you you really don't have a chance three to three or four
1: teams that you know going in. And, and for the most part, less – uh, four years, you know what it going and, gonna that's, be the and that's not going to change. You, it's not. It's not going to change because now everybody makes superstar teams, and you can thank LeBron for going to Miami for that. He mm-hmm. ruined the NBA.
2: He did. I agree with it. Um, so, did six... you guys?
1: Uh, did you guys hear Magic Johnson got fined this week? I did. From yeah. What, did you hear his terrible comments he made why he got fined? I, I didn't think he deserved the fine. Here, to here me. it is. Here it is. He said, "On um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's going to be like an MVP, a champion. This dude, he's going to put Milwaukee on the map." Right. And he got fined $50,000 for those brutal, brutal, terrible comments. <laughs> Absolutely made. ridiculous. Got the
2: NBA. So <laughs> you, you, you know why they that? They're
1: considering it's tampering. Yeah. And they did this with Paul George already. Absolutely ridiculous. And they pretty much don't want Magic Johnson speaking about anything other than the Lakers because he's involved in the league. But
2: this is a legend that,
1: that he can't compliment the young player. That, all it was was a compliment. It's ridiculous. That's
2: it. <laughs> right. And then, if, and then if Giannis, you know, in three years signed with the – now he can't sign with the Lakers. He can't because they're going to go back to this moment and say that this, there's going to be some idiot out there that goes back to this moment and Magic says that.
1: Magic paid as fine as the $50,000 penalty for yeah. those terrible words he used. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, the Lakers are going to sign. Two I've heard a lot worse
2: on so. our show. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Well, <laughs> Giannis ain't going there show. anyway
1: because they're signing two max players this season, and Giannis is not on the market.
2: I'll tell you what, though. He played the Knicks twice and the Nets once, and I was watching. So I saw a lot of him last week. He is one of the most exciting players I've seen play in a long time. I I actually am a fan of his. and I'm not big into the NBA, but, you know, starting to watch a little bit more lately. And he was the guy who was on a lot of the local games. That guy, maybe he doesn't have the moxie. And, you know, he's not as exciting, you know, maybe off of the court. But he... Honestly, to me, would be the face of the NBA if it was up to me. But I like, I like
1: those guys who fit that bill who just do their business on the court like Kawhi Leonard, like Tim Duncan did. You know, you don't hear much about them. They're also not in the big-ass markets like everybody else. Giannis has improved his game everywhere. Once this guy develops a jump shot, look, look what he's doing without a jump shot. It's insane. Once he gets that down, he really might be the best player in the NBA. Yeah. Does Nick still
2: have his ball around.
1: Nick's no. his brother in the, G uh, League, in the G League. Yeah, but um I've he's seen not that Mike's brother. <laughs> yeah, you
2: know, believe it or not, I've seen some G League games this year uh, cuz I have to for work and I have not noticed an Anton Acupo. Uh but and maybe that's the name you didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah I would I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's not like <laughs> <the> Smith. <alphabet. laughs> but uh what is this guy? He's six, so he's a little bit smaller than KP. I was just wondering because I see him he's so freaking athletic, uh, you know, for a big man. I just want to see. He's only he's five inches smaller. He's than still down too. That's he's crazy. not exactly he uh, came tall in, he No, I know, but, but he's, he's five tall. inches
1: smaller than KP. He bulked up big crazy. time, yeah, and he's the point guard on that
2: team. <laughs> uh, so talking about basketball, then uh, the the college hardwood, uh, St. John's locally. Now, anybody that's not watching in the New York area or listening in the New York area, maybe you don't care. Uh, and guess what? The New York area doesn't really care either. <laughs> but when you're St. John's, who is a once proud program. Um, you go out there and you beat the number one and the number four team in the country in the same week. Uh, you deserve, you know, a mention. Absolutely. Uh, so St. John's, I mean, they went out there. Villanova and uh, who was it? Who else did they beat? They beat Duke. They beat Duke. It so was they beat Duke. Duke. That last was the, week? The, the, uh, when they were number four. So yeah. two wins. Um, now they have the resume to get in the tournament, but their record is so bad they have no chance. They have been zero eleven in conference play. In
1: the foot. It's crazy that their first conference win was against the number one team in the country, Villanova. Uh, but those are two big wins, and it's not going to be enough for these guys. I think all he did was land there taking the NIT. But I don't want to... Uh, sorry, but it just came across the bottom of ESPN. Yoel Romero missed weight tonight, so if he beats Luke Rockhold, he's not going to be the champion. Oh, that wow. is now a non-title fight. That's
2: disappointing. That is a big deal for UFC. Where's Randy Chano? We need him. <laughs> um. So anyway, I was just kind of using that as a segue into the beginning of March Madness. Is is kind of here. We're seeing the big upsets already. A team like St. John's, who... They're not in the top 100 teams in the nation uh, with two wins over top five teams. So uh, college hardwood getting underway. uh, And I know you got some notes and some stuff on that. So I'll give you the floor.
1: We got uh, it's crunch time here in the NCAA because you got a couple of games left and you got to make that tournament. If you make the uh, conference tournaments, you have a nice push to try to get your way into the big, big, big tournament in March. No team can really be trusted, I think, because there's nobody blowing them out of the water. There's been so many upsets lately, and they're going to keep coming. There's not that one dominant team. Teams have dominant players, but there's no dominant teams going on right now. Like you said, it was a huge week for the Johnnies. They took down number four, Duke. They beat number one Villanova. It was their first conference win. It's not going to be enough to get these guys in the playoffs. Interesting, though, now they're getting some love at Vegas. They're minus one against Marquette today. These, um, they were plus 550 money line against Duke. there, 1,100 against Villanova. Now they're the favorite here against Marquette today. It should be fun to watch. Uh, it was a rough week for Oklahoma and Kentucky. John Calipari and Trey Young, arguably the best coach and best player here. Uh, Oklahoma lost to Texas and West Virginia last week. Kentucky lost to Missouri and Tennessee last week. North Carolina finally got a big-time win, something they needed big time. And that was Thursday night against none other than the Duke Blue Devils. It was nice to see them win. North Carolina had no business being ranked. They're currently ranked number 21. They should have been unranked. They lost three of their last four games, all conference opponents, but they kept them ranked because ESPN had to flash the game a little more for you, (laughs) but they did get the big win against Duke, and that was big time. I want to give it up to Ohio State. They're not getting any love. They stayed put at number 14 despite beating number three, Purdue, and they also beat the number one-ranked MSU at the time earlier this season. And these top teams, they're slippery, and they can't win with – they can't convince wait. They don't have convincing wins. I'm sorry. Number three, Purdue, they squeaked by Rutgers. They only won by two. And they lost to Ohio State on Wednesday. So it's interesting to see how Purdue moves. Number five, Xavier, uh, they're not getting any dominant wins. They needed overtime to get their last two conference wins. That was against Georgetown and Butler. And number four, MSU, they haven't got any convincing wins because they, they have not won a game by double digits in their last
2: four. So um, anything that you have for bets, anything like that? Any games, anything that you're looking for? I think there's going to be a couple upsets here today, just judging by the spreads here. Number
1: five, Xavier, they're getting one and a half at Creighton. Creighton doesn't have that great of a resume. It'll be a big win for them. So, look for them to go out there and try to steal one at home. Uh, Number 10, Kansas. They're minus two at Baylor. They've been one of the most inconsistent teams this year. Number 15, Tennessee. Minus two and a half at Alabama. Alabama has a couple big wins on their resume, and they're getting no love with their rankings. Number seven, Texas Tech, who also needs some love. They've been playing really well. They're minus one at Kansas State, which is no easy place to play.
2: So, those are
1: low spreads, interesting traps, and they're going to be very flashy for the average better.
2: Um. Yeah, so college, we've got about a month now, huh? I about can't wait month. for that tournament. It's so fun. Conference tournaments are here. where it starts to happen. I mean, if, if you're not paying attention now, start paying attention. But then once they get to the conference tournaments, that's where it gets really exciting. So basically, once you get through the Olympics, which I don't know about you guys, but I'm not too excited about. Um, Everybody's
1: loving the curling game.
2: Everybody loves <laughs> curling every four <laughs> years. You know that there's actually curling uh, leagues out on Long Island now? I was playing hockey, and before hockey, there was a curling league. Taking place out at Newbridge Ice Rink, I'd never seen curling in person until that. These people are out there and they're <laughs> sweeping, and I'm like, what the hell? This is actually looks awesome, but I probably will never do it. But uh, I'm, I'm the...
1: dying to see them hit the thing with a sweep. I'm like, dying for it to, like, uh, for, it to miss through. and, and
2: heat. <laughs> Um And then I saw people I saw it on Barcelona, I guess they were doing curling with beer bottles. Yeah. So you, you, everybody's gonna turn it into some kind of thing. But, That's uh, more my
1: kind of curling. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> the 12 ounce curls. <laughs>
2: All right, well, let's move on. Uh, we talked about the NFL offseason, and, and we've been looking forward to it. And, by the way, I haven't even been on since the uh, Super Bowl. So, um, Why don't you give your thoughts, then? My thoughts? Um, it looked like a Madden game, to be honest. It was one of those games where you think the team with the le- ball last was going to win, and then all of a sudden, Tom Brady breaks rule number one, <laughs> uh, fumbles the ball. The only time he sacked all night, and it uh, cost him the game. I thought that um, – listen – Peterson was out there, and he pretty much had brass ones. And if it wasn't uh, Philadelphia, I would probably like it a lot more. But I I can't like Philadelphia. I can't root for them. I can't stand their fans. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't stand that green, you know, those green and white jerseys being happy. I mean, as a Giants fan, I hate them. I might hate them more than any team. So it just sucked. Um, It also takes away the stigma that uh, we talked about last week. Um, when, uh, you know, the Giants being the only team to beat him. So I, I hated that, too. That's what hurt most. Um, it really it really did. It it, I, I, it doesn't take away from Eli Manning, but it does take away from that one argument that you had that nobody else could make is that Eli Manning, the only guy to beat, you know, Brady and Belichick in the Super Bowl. Um, so, we did say, Rob, you weren't here. We said Eli stole the show anyway. Uh, uh, the, the commercial, the commercial so. was great. And I'm not into commercials. I'm not into halftime shows. I'm not into pregame stuff. I'm one of those guys, maybe it's just, you know, because all I care about is sports. I just want to watch the game. I don't care about anything else. But, you know, the commercial came on, and uh, right away I see the Giants colors, and I'm like, oh, it caught my eye. i got to watch this. And as a guy that's never seen Dirty Dancing, by the way, I I had no idea. But uh, it was great. It was well choreographed. I had to see Eric Flowers in it. That sucked. But I did think somebody went by him, and he held him. While he was doing that dance. I said that once I saw
1: a commercial and I saw an offensive lineman in there. I was looking specifically Me at too. <laughs> made the cut. Me too. And
2: I was looking to see if he made the cut and I was looking to see the yellow flag for holding or if he, or if he was ahead of everybody else because he false started afraid that he was going to hold and somebody's going to sack him. But yeah, listen, He's
1: that's up one on of, him.
2: We're broke. Remember. That's, that's one of the things that. um. You know, people don't realize about Eli when they say he's boring. The guy actually has a hell of a personality. You've seen him on Saturday Night Live, and people forget that this guy, it's a dry sense of humor. He's not going to come out here and, you know, be loud and all that. But that guy's actually pretty funny. He's very entertaining. And him and his brother have done some good commercials together, and then he did it with Odell. And uh, then, then he had people, you know, this week saying, Odell looked like he was limping. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. And if he was, who cares? It was taped in January. He doesn't have to be good for nine
1: more months. He was in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, by the way, laughing after that commercial came on. He did a little selfie laughing. Like, uh, he? fine. He didn't look like he was limping. <laughs> no,
2: but I, I saw a lot of people on, and I heard it on the radio, which there's no more good sports radio anymore other than, uh, over the top sports radio, <laughs> and especially <laughs> in New York. It's just terrible. But, uh, yeah, it, it just sucked. You, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I was out there in Vegas the week before and I followed rule number one and it came back to bite me. So, uh. I figured it would, you know, the one time that I'm out there for it. So it was a good game, but listen, no, who didn't have a good week is Colts fans (laughs) and Colts ownership and Josh
1: McDaniels.
2: (laughs) Josh McDaniels guys. Um, you know, we talked about him and we talked about Patricia for so long with the giants and all that. And McDaniels was seemingly out of the running for the giants job because he took the Colts job. Uh, and then he bailed on him. What are you guys thoughts? So, uh, Listen,
1: first of all, I don't blame him. It didn't go uh it didn't go right. He didn't handle it right, but um New England clearly went to him and said, you know, Bill Belichick is gonna coach for this much longer, and then we plan on, you know, you being the head coach. So if you're Josh McDaniels and you're told I can go to Indianapolis who is absolutely terrible, Andrew Luck hasn't thrown a football in about two years and might still not might not throw a football, or I can stay here, Brady's here, um, I know Robert Kraft. I know the ownership, the whole team mentality, the winning mentality. It's a no-brainer to him. He's going to get paid like a head coach, um, what he was going to make there. They said they're going to match that. It's an absolute no-brainer. Uh, the only people I really – I don't care about the Colts uh, or their fans. I feel or bad their quarterback. For, yeah, <laughs> or their quarterback, that's for sure. Um, I just feel bad for the assistant head coaches over there that already signed. But, again, it, this is the Colts being idiots. You announced the press conference before he was even signed to a contract. But that's that happens all the time.
0: That well, I mean, the, now
1: you know not some, to do it. Yeah. Now you got burned. And you sign the assistant coaches before you signed the head coach. I mean, it, it's asinine. It really is. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, like, like you said, Rob, this happens all the time. And this has just never happened before. But now it did. And uh, you're shit out of luck.
2: And it comes the week after um, you see the Belichick in Parcells and right, all that different stuff. Jets. It's, it's almost
1: like he watched the, the yeah. 30 for 30. And he's like, I got I got that. I could do it, too. Yep, and that's why, Rob, that's why the Giants have to go out there and not wait for these guys. You can't wait that long. The whole Belichick mess came you wanted to wait from. Obviously, that's the coach you want if you could get them, but you can't wait because now look at the Colts. Everybody signed. They have B-list options now, and McDaniels really screwed them, honestly, because he gave them a commitment. Obviously, he didn't sign anything so it's not official, but he gave them a commitment. He gave been back on his word. That's not a manly thing to do. Um, it's going to
2: cost him in the future It really is. Yeah, after,
1: he, he is He is that considered a snake yep, so. They called it career suicide
2: After he's done with New England And now he's going to have to hope that Once Brady leaves that New England can be successful Because let me tell you guys When Brady leaves, if this team turns into just an also-ran team uh, That's 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and 6-10, and 10-6 and You know, you're around there every year And you're not competing for Super Bowls There's going to be coaching changes And Josh McDaniels is not a 65-year-old man who can just retire This is a young guy That's part of the aura of him Is how young he is now this guy for the rest of his career is going to have this follow him around.
1: Yeah. I think, listen, I, I don't think you can be worried about that. I really don't. And I think another thing that we're overlooking here is that New England, uh, they were, they lost Patricia. I think they're also really worried about Gronk leaving and with Gronk leaving, which
2: is still possible. Right? right.
1: And if McDaniels were to leave that offense now becomes, I mean, a shell. So, uh, you know, Brady's still there, but uh, you know, I think just keeping somebody familiar that knows how to run the playbook, that is an offensive genius, uh, I think it was the right move, but McDaniels, hes long, young, like you said, Rob. Uh, if New England doesn't work out, he can—you know—he'll find another team. Another team will forgive him. I mean, this isn't uh, the end of the world, and he can always go to college and be a coach there. A College team would jump at him. A lot of teams won't forgive him though, but I can see the college thing, and there's definitely a handful of NFL teams that will definitely give this guy a shot for sure.
2: Once again, like I said, you know, this guy—he of all the uh, Belichick guys was put in one of the better positions to go to a good franchise. Okay, this isn't Romeo Crennel and. Uh, You know, somebody, you know, in in, uh, Cleveland, you know, going there and trying to win. He actually had a chance and he didn't play well. You can talk about all you want about how Tebow was his uh, QB there and and Cutler or whatever it was. But um, he failed there. So now he's got that failure on his resume and he's got this backing out. It's kind of a douche move. I mean, I know you might not like the Colts. and I know you're a Patriots fan. It's a great job for the Patriots. It's a coup. They get to keep, you know, one of their two assistants with Belichick. They have that one-two punch and they have his successor probably, right? He's gonna be the successor there.
1: Absolutely. And multiple reports came out this week and said Robert Kraft purposely did this because of the whole deflate gate thing. They said, you know, he's got a ton of money. Money doesn't matter to him. He's, you know, Kraft foods and he purposely said, You know what? I'm never gonna let this go. I'm gonna now uh, offer him the same what you were gonna offer him and he will stay here. The rivalry's
2: back on. Yeah. yeah. Except um, the Colts can't beat them. <laughs> yeah, um so you talked about Gronk a little bit. Um <laughs> What are your percent chances you think that he actually retires? Because I'd say it's less than, like, 15.
1: Oh, I think it's 50-50. I really, really do. I, I think he
2: really doesn't I want he, to play anymore. I think he's battled
1: concussions. I think he's battled back injuries, leg injuries. This guy has really been battered and, and beaten. And um, I, he can't play a full season without getting some sort of injury. And, uh, you know, we talked about this the other day, Vinny and I. Uh, his personality, he will be very successful outside of football. And they said, uh, who was it, Sylvester Stallone or somebody already said that? And The Rock already said that, you know, he would be fine doing movies. I I definitely think it's 50-50. I'll put it in between both of you guys. I think it's a little more than 15, but I'm definitely closer to the 15 than I am the 50. Uh, I think he'd be crazy. He's still young. He's in a great system. I think as long as Tom Brady's his quarterback, he'd be foolish to leave. But, uh, I mean, concussions are adding up to him. You've seen great players leave early now. You've seen Calvin Johnson do it. I know it's a thing. Nobody gets concussions more frequently than Rob Gronkowski than uh, Wes Welker, and he's obviously out of the league now. So it's definitely a possibility. I can't see it happening as long as Tom Brady's there. Gronk's got to say. Some
2: other news. One more. I got uh, sixty-nine percent. You know what I mean? Um, thank you for talking (laughs) over me, goon. Well produced. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, the highest-paid player in the league right now. It's absurd, guys. Uh, this guy's played. Jimmy fun. Garoppolo. <laughs> anything else you want to play? You got anything else? You good? Jimmy Garoppolo. Guy, Absolutely. Garoppolo. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. I mean, listen, the guy's undefeated, and so uh, and listen, the franchise quarterback. Uh, Bill Belichick has already gave his stamp of approval to this kid. He's looked awesome. Him and Kyle Shanahan last year. That offense was ridiculous. Um, I will always say the money's absurd, Rob, but, you know, it is what it is. The market for a quarterback, man, you just see it all the time. Matt Flynn, he got for one game. <laughs> this guy really. got it. at least he showed something in five games, you know. Um, look, at I mean, Joe Flacco went to the Super Bowl. He's the highest-paid quarterback. Uh, you saw Derek Carr almost have an MVP season. He got signed. He's, they got to lock up any quarterback they think they can win with. They have all faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. They invested the second-round pick in this guy. I think he's a pretty good quarterback, too. I think he's going to be good for years to come. He obviously every, he's shown every sign of being a good quarterback. But, yes, it's early. Anything can happen. The 49ers weren't that great beforehand.
2: Um,
1: that's just the way it goes. And now you got to be happy if you guys like Drew Brees and you're seeing, you know, the market next. Well, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, there you go. Kirk Cousins is probably the happiest person of all if time. Kirk
2: Cousins is going to get more money than Jimmy Garoppolo. But does that
1: screw him as well? Is you going to want that kind of money now? He probably feels like he's more of an established uh, quarterback in this league. And no one's going to want to give him Garoppolo money, I don't think.
2: Um, I, I think somebody may. I mean, it seems every single time a decent – quarterback is out on the market. He becomes the highest-paid quarterback. We've He's seen, going
1: somewhere. There's too many... I mean, Matt Stafford play. was
2: the highest-paid quarterback. You know, these guys that have never won a thing. I, Garoppolo's won five regular season games. He's undefeated, but to, to go from that to the highest-paid player in football? After that's crazy. Seeing, after seeing that
1: contract now, do you, are you leaning towards the Giants and other teams now drafting quarterbacks? I mean, look at the market.
2: Well, they... That's well, do the market's it. nuts. That's not, I mean... The Giants wouldn't be getting a free agent quarterback, so I don't think the well, Giants not right are now, in Well, right now, but if they don't draft, uh, you know, you no don't draft no, the quarterback in a couple years well, don't now, forget
1: there's that, no free agent quarterback I want them to get either. Right, and right. don't
2: forget this, that Eli Manning's making so much money that whoever they get, basically salary cap-wise, it's right. going to be a watch. I'm saying a couple years from now, you
1: don't draft a quarterback this draft
2: Three years from now, you know,
1: possibly even two years from now, you could be in the mix of this free agent frenzy for a quarterback. But look at the 49ers. This is a team that's been getting top five draft picks the last couple of years. They got their sons a quarterback. He hasn't lost them a game since he's been starting. I mean, they still
2: have a the lot 49ers. of cap money.
1: Who else is getting paid on that team besides Jimmy Garoppolo? Very no. intriguing. So they still have a lot of money. They're still going to get a top ten draft pick, I believe. So maybe um, start building around them really well. They still have a lot of cap money to throw
2: around. Um yeah, I, I just thought it was absurd. I I thought it was absurd when it was Stafford, I thought it was absurd when some of these other guys have gotten it. Um guys like Rodgers guys like Breeze, those are the guys that should be up there making that money. You can make the case for Russell Wilson because he was younger, but he's so mobile. Um but when Carr got it even, I, I get Carr I don't Carr get the was Carr one. But at least he was the you know, face of the franchise top pick in the draft, you know, all that. That comes with it. Um you expect that out of those guys. Just Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, and, and then you got Le'Veon Bell over there who gets hit more times in the game than Garoppolo will in his career, and he can't get paid, you know, market value for a running back right now. For I know it's back. really, really
1: early, and I know we're obviously are going to do coverages football like we did this summer. Are the 49ers the best team in the West, though? I think they are already. I'm a big believer in this Jimmy G guy, man. Seahawks have been declining. The Rams are pretty good. The Rams are pretty good. I think the Rams. Maybe. I think that you're still not riding. spot on. I'm riding... The Forty Niners, yeah, my boy, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: <laughs> if the season started today, you would have them winning that division with their the teams built the way they are.
1: I would. I'm I'm riding 49 ers I don't. I can't. I can't say that. I they're, think they'll be better than Seattle.
2: This uh, their defense is safe. trash. Their D is trash. Yeah, they, they, they,
1: they, they're going
2: free agency. The hold uh, on, oh, no, no. he has. Uh, no, you never. You you can't ask that question in February. I know they're only to getting better. but
1: John Elway's a, a very aggressive GM there. Not John. I'm sorry, John Lynch is a very aggressive GM there. Uh, I don't know. I,
2: I don't. Uh, the Rams came out of nowhere. So are they going to be the Rams this that's year? You know, this year's Rams? We'll see. We'll that's see what the happens. Team
1: that I would be buying for the next few years. I think that's legit.
2: We'll see what happens in the next couple months with free agency and the draft and all that. And next week. Spring training uh, opens up Uh, Don't forget coming up in the next half hour We're going to have Rick Peterson Former Major League Baseball pitching coach You know him from uh, if you're in the New York area Clearly uh, he was a Mets pitching coach For a while Uh, Wrote a book uh, Continues to speak about coaching So we have a lot we're going to do with him At about 11.30 on Over the Top Sports Radio Um, But when uh, training camps Excuse me Spring training opens up next week There's going to be an extra spring training camp This year Mike And I know that you love it. So, uh, you know, you might not be on the Mets, the Braves, the Yankees, the Orioles, because you're one of the 100 players that doesn't have a contract yet. Well, don't worry. Former Braves coach Bo Porter will be uh, running a spring training for all these free agents without a deal.
1: It's so stupid. It really is. I mean, they're holding out for money. The owners, uh, you know, everyone's trying to lower payroll, go with a little youth and uh, it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. It's so infuriating. And uh, I'm actually going to ask uh, Rick Peterson was the pitching coach for uh, that Moneyball team with Oakland. So we'll get his take on that when he joins us in a little bit. But um, I don't know how MLB and the union are going to be able to, you know, fix this in the upcoming years. The only thing that I could possibly see guys is maybe there's a floor uh, salary wise. You have to be at a certain uh, payroll. Uh, a minimum. They have that in hockey. Exactly. It's sad it got to the stage that this has to happen. You know, all these free agents should have been signed already. And I can't believe teams really can't shell it out. Like that. Like Tony Clark said, these teams are competing for the bottom. There's more teams competing for the bottom than there are the top because I feel like everybody thinks they're going to see repeat playoff teams. I feel like those teams that were there last year, they're going back. And I think they just have too much uh, leaps and boundaries in between these teams that they rather suck, let these guys get old, and then they can come in and take over their shoes. I mean, honestly, like – are there any teams you think that are going to win, uh, make the playoffs this year that didn't last year? They're probably riding
2: everybody who went last year, if you ask me. I mean, there's 10 teams out there that haven't signed a single free agent. Are you kidding me? I know, Mike, you're so anti-players on this. I am. But you can't tell me that there isn't some sort of thing. I don't want to fully call it on collusion, but I'm going to use it for lack of a better tune, But term. That these owners haven't talked to each other about, hey, we've gotta keep this, you know, keep this these salaries down and start saving some money. I, I think, mean, if you're a fan of like the Braves like me, you there's not one freaking free agent out there that you can't open up your checkbook to give your team and your fan base a reason to watch this shit. Like, what the down. hell? They have no chance can't to win. You could you could get four guys right now to make your team maybe the best team in the NL East if you sign them. I'm not saying to get all four, but you can't sign one. What is going on? Why, why That's on the that? order. Why Why? Why try to win? Why try to win? <laughs> Rob, why why team, just let this that, guy right here can help us? Why try to win?
1: That farm system is loaded. Why are you going to go give Jake Arrieta four or five years and, and hurt your future. It makes no sense to me. Jake is not worth four or five years. He's not. Go look at the year he had last year. He's not worth what he thinks he's worth. You, you didn't, didn't even get J.D. Martinez. Yeah, There's other players him. like that, too, though. Yeah. Look at you, Darvish. You, Darvish, was horrendous in the playoffs. Go
2: sign Lance Lynn. Tell, make a case against Lance Lynn. On I the can't.
1: I, him and uh, – he's really the pitcher that I don't understand why he's not signed. That's so, the only one. The problem is they want too many years. And look at the Yankees' hell.
2: But that's what years happens years. In, in sports. It
1: happens the money. I think it's about – Years. They want five I agree with years, that. $20 million. and at the end of those contracts, they're not playing the Right, look, look at cool holes. That's
2: but that's what happens in baseball know, But, that's but what they're what trying happens. to fix it Yeah,
1: they, they don't want it anymore, I, I agree with you, honestly, but still, like, uh some teams gotta take a shot here, especially a team like the Braves, who have been, you know, a ghost They have
2: here. zero free agents signing They gotta
1: get somebody, so and look, then you can bring the kids up and maybe they compete So, as a Met fan, everybody's been so critical about that organization and the ownership, and I have been one of them but look at what they signed Todd Frazier for—absolute steal. Look at what you got Jay Bruce for—absolute steal. So the deals are starting to fall in favor of the teams. It's just these players don't want to take less money.
2: Uh, I don't know. Listen, you've seen in the past the way that it works is, and I, I, there's not no way you can do about you know, nothing you can do about it. But you pay a guy for what he's done. Albert Pujols is getting paid now for what he did pre this contract. And he's still putting a 100 season. And, and he's, but he's, yes, and, and I've actually stuck up for Pujols because he's not what he used to be. Right. He hits to a low batting yeah, average, he's but, a he's, but he's like a or. run producer. Absolutely. And, and, he, and he's a key cog in the middle of any lineup, and he helps protect Mike Trout. Right. Um, and he's but, hitting
1: milestone numbers, so people are going out there to see that.
2: Right. Right. But these guys, you know, you there's no way to fix paying a guy for what he's going to do for you than what he's already done. Now, George Steinbrenner said this in the 80s. Uh, He had an interview with Bob Wolf, and he did it in the dugout, and it was at spring training. And I know it because when I worked with Bob Wolf, I had to edit this thing a million times, and he said, I have to guarantee these guys X amount of dollars for the numbers that they've already put up with other teams or maybe my own team. How can they guarantee me that they're going to put up those numbers? Well, it's a flawed system. They can't guarantee me they're going to go 40 and 120 and hit 300. They did last year, but they can't guarantee that. So why do I have to guarantee them the money? So what has to be done where they can actually meet in the middle?
1: I think a floor. Like I said, I think some sort of floor. Or or
2: some kind of buyout option maybe, you know, or or a waiver system. Teams
1: at the bottom that aren't going to spend any sort of money. Like, look at Miami's payroll. I don't know what off the top of my head, but I'll tell you it's a joke. And they should have to, you know, even just to have fans into the stadium, they should have to meet a, you know, a minimum payroll. And it sucks because guys like J.D. Martinez, they can't even do another, like, one-year deal to prove they still have it. Because, you know, I mean, you he, do he doesn't row, have to. He deserves Exactly. He does. He deserves a exactly. you know? long getting deal. $150 million. But like Boone said, he's 30 years old. They don't want to sign him more than five years. You know, he's over 35. The odds are he's going to decline his value. 120, he'll be set for life. $150 million. Oh, for sure. What are Listen. we crying about? What are we crying about? <laughs> we crying
2: about? I would take $150,000 right now right. for my job if I could. $150 million for that, J.D. That's,
1: Martinez. That's a. a he sport, might only really get one bit.
2: That's an argument for. <laughs> You sound like a South Park episode, by <laughs> the way. I, I, you probably know the one I'm talking about. Where they have the ghost of uh the old ghost and they go back to Britney Spears, how to buy the uh her personal plane but only the version six, not right, the seven. And terrible. These but people. but that but that's a sports wide argument you can make. And you can make that sports, you know, about Garoppolo. You know, you can make that about all these guys that, you know, hold out for more more money, they deserve it. But these teams are now putting baseball in the position to be what the NBA is. And that's four or five teams now each year having a chance to win the it's World Series. It's been that though. Oh. It has. But but the there's, 90s, there's opportunities. The
1: every, I thought the Yankees were going to win every year in the nineties. <laughs> right, but it's always been that.
2: Well, not not for this, not because of this.
1: Look at the look at it now. Look at the standings right now. You could there's only five seven top teams that you could okay, actually win Okay, and there, there and there's Series five contenders.
2: to seven more teams that could go out right now and sign two guys off the market, spend a little freaking money, and make your team a contender. There's teams that are on the bubble that can be a contender if they just sign some of these players. What I was
1: saying before, I mean, look at these divisions. You know who's going to win each division pretty much. Something desperate. Terrible has to happen for it. Like, how is the Nationals not going to win the East? How are the Cubs not going to win the Central? How are the Dodgers not going to win the West? I don't know.
2: The Brewers, what, if what if you're in the NL West? The Brewers. The the I respect
1: them. They have. They went out there and made some moves. The they Diamondbacks the and Rockies
2: both had great records and were playoff teams last year. You're telling me that they can't go out there and get one or two of these guys? I know the Diamondbacks. I thought the Diamondbacks get JD, they've JD Martinez. They've been offering.
1: They've been offering it on JD Martinez, so they're trying. But the thing is, they shoot themselves in the foot by signing JD Martinez
2: because Greinke and Goldschmidt are making so much money. And there.
1: Colorado, you really want to go pitch in Colorado? No
2: shot. But let me ask you this also. Uh, all of this is going to end up being a bunch of hypocrites next year when all of a sudden they're ready to shell out $300 million from Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Now they're the hypocrites. Because those they're guys so are young. They're cheap this year. There's all these guys out there are young too. There's a lot of young guys out there too. Darvish the is not that young. No, no. of course not. On, not that, who's on their level to begin with? Right. Maybe five or six guys in the entire major league. I'm talking about 25
1: and, year olds, not 30 year olds. It's a huge five year difference. So they then say you James don't have, have to give these guys ten, 10, 10 I think years. He's thirty years old. He's button. thirty right yeah.
2: now. Then you have to give these guys ten years. But you got, it, it, come on. I, I'm a frustrated I fan. If I if I lived in Atlanta, I'd be a Brave season ticket holder. And I'm sitting there watching all these guys just sit there without a job, saying, "Look at this lineup. Let's go. We got Brazor, a chance."
1: The Braves are a team that can start easing in too, because they have such a great farm system. And
2: some of these pitchers are good to look up to, and they could buy some time for the young Braves possibly You know prospect pitchers are a dime a dozen right now. Okay. There's so many great prospects and Rick Peterson could speak to it better than anybody. He's seen them come and go. The great guys. I mean, look at the Braves Jair Jurgens. When he came up, this guy was supposed to be the next Greg Maddox. Well, Rick had that Oakland team with Mulder and and Hudson and And Tim Hudson was the only one that had a great career. And he wasn't even a
1: young, but was that? He was,
2: uh, no, he he was there too, but his best years, you know, were the beginning of his career and he was unable to, Stay healthy, and yeah. now he's really busy anyway. Barry Zito, so. busy crappy music. He's busy right now. Um, and then Mulder, you know, they're all good pitchers, but you never know if they're going to turn out to be what they're going to be. Look at the Mets rotation. So I don't want to hear that the Braves shouldn't go out there and get a Lance Lynn. I'm not saying they have to get Darvish, the biggest ticket name, but there's guys out there that they could get that could help this rotation. And now you have a one-two with Lance Lynn and Teron or or one of these guys in Tehran, and now you have Fultonavich and Whistler and all these guys following behind them. Less pressure, less innings pitch, well, they also and a better chance in to win.
1: They brought in McCarthy, so I
2: think they're hoping... Casmir. <laughs> Come on, you can't be serious. <laughs> Kazmier, McCarthy? <laughs> they got a salary dumps to get rid of Matt Kemp. The bottom <laughs> the line is, that me in the rotation they didn't they bring him in as free agents. You know why? Because they've signed zero free agents this year. Do you guys care about competing? All I heard about was how they wanted to compete when they got into the new building. Well, this is year number two, and they have no chance, no chance in hell to compete. Well, dude, that's what
1: they're saying. They're, they forfeit the division of the Nationals. They're like already competing just between the two wild So then just
2: give away Freddie Freeman, honestly. Because I mean, yeah, by the time not? they have a chance to go compete, more the guy's going to be 31 years old, and then he's going to want $100 million for four years. <laughs> yep. While we're
1: talking L East here, I just want to bring up the Nationals real quick, because this week I read something pretty interesting. First of all, uh, free agents after the year, Gio, Murphy, and Harper. It's a pretty big deal. So it's almost as if they, this has to be that must year for them, that go for it all this year. Um, the other thing, Adam Eaton is going to bat leadoff, they already said. As long as he's healthy, he had that terrible injury last year. Adam Eaton's going to bat one, Trey Turner two, Harper three. That is going to kill Trey Turner in fantasy. And, I, you know, second-round pick, sure, value will be there. But I'm talking that first-round pick where he's going now in some drafts, top five, he is not going to be worth it. They are not going to have Trey Turner running in front of Bryce Harper so that if he steals second base, you can easily walk Bryce Harper. I think Turner, whose bread and butter is the stolen base, uh, and scoring runs, obviously, and the multiple positions, those steals can be from 60 to maybe 30,
2: 35. I didn't mean it was going to score a ton of runs, though, hitting in front of him. As long as he's healthy, absolutely, Rob. not saying to take him, you know, too early. And that's a guy that can score steal, 100
1: runs. Right, 30, 35 bags. That's a guy that can run also. And yeah. they'll let him run, that's for sure. And right. he's going
2: to be a nice little addition to your outfield. was like your third or fourth outfielder on your team when you have a couple of big bats. Yep. You could throw him in your fantasy lineup as an outfielder to steal you some of those other categories or really push them over the edge. Uh, so, it helps Eaton, but it hurts Turner.
1: And the other thing was, they've been looking at pitching also. They've been linked to Jake Arietta. They feel that they have two aces. They have Strasburg and they have Scherzer. Um, and that's fine for the regular season. But they feel that when they're getting into playoff situations, they cannot count on Gio Gonzalez to be that guy to close out a series. So, they have looked at Arietta but feel we don't need to go that high. They're a team to watch for maybe a Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb because they feel that they're an upgrade over uh, Gio Gonzalez pitching an elimination game.
2: And I don't care if they go 162-0, and they're going to choke anyway. They're a Washington team. They choke in the playoffs. That's what they're going to do. And they'll choke in they games because
1: they did nothing for their bullpen.
2: Yep. So, and that's perfect because now that uh, Philadelphia has already hurt me, at least the stupid city of Washington, they still will always be choke artists. And we'll see it very soon when the Stanley Cup playoffs begin in April and the Washington Capitals win yet another division, and are on their way to go to another <laughs> Stanley Cup final, yet don't make it out of the second round. By the way, Al Sobechkin has still not made it out of the second round of the playoffs in his entire career. The Capitals
1: are legendary
2: regular season teams.
1: They're, yep. they're the best. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're up, up, up there. Now.
2: I mean, if, <laughs> they're going to have so many more banners for division championships as opposed to even conference championships. And Somebody's messing with your TV. I am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought somebody was. Maybe it <laughs> looked like somebody's sitting on
1: your uh, remote or something. As a Yankee fan, I despise banners as for divisions. For any
2: team. Well, you got, sport, you don't have really room mean mean for banners for anymore. anything else. I mean,
1: As a Mets fan, I, I value them. Oh, it's very funny. As an Islander fan, I've it's never, see, I've never seen a Don't you feel
2: embarrassed being out there? Uh, no. no it's, it's a big deal. I mean, listen, every team, including the Yankees, by the way, and you want to say that, the Yankees did a champagne celebration this year when they win the wild card, okay? So if you're going to do a champagne celebration for winning a wild card, the division means something. Yeah, the division. Has well, to division mean
1: obviously means more now with the two wild cards. And
2: but. it depends on the sport, but let's tell you. Let me tell you this: you would be psyched for an NFC East division championship. I
1: would, but oh I don't want
2: God. it hung in my stadium. No, don't worry. Have to, they have to have room for the Jets <laughs> Ring of Honor in our stadium because <laughs> they can't get their own building ever. But um, uh, real quick, we talked about NHL. Um, that game last night, the Islander game, and the Rangers led it to the fans. We'll start it with the Rangers led it to the fans yesterday. Um, it's one of the differences between the two teams in this city. The Rangers, um, who have perennially been a team that's been a team that could contend for the Cup. Um, And while they haven't won it, um, they've had a lot more success than the regular season champions that the Capitals are. Mm -hmm. They've gotten to the finals. They've gotten to multiple conference finals under the Henrik Lundqvist era. And uh, they basically went out there and said to their fans, hey, listen, um, we realize it's not happening for us this year, even though we could still make the playoffs. And you might see some of your favorite players change fate, uh change teams. Um, but here's your heads up. And we're only doing it because looking towards the future, we want to win. Um, as a Rangers fan, Mike, what did you think of that? I
1: loved it. I absolutely loved it.
2: Um,
1: th- there's no need for fool's gold, Rob. And, uh, and that's all it is. They could make the playoffs possibly as a wild card team. But uh, they were only going to get eliminated. Kreider's probably not likely coming back because of the blood clot. Shattenkirk, you know, isn't coming back. McDonough's all banged up anyway. Um, this is a team that has been decimated by injuries and you can't use that as an excuse. They're also just not playing good hockey. The defense has been horrendous all season. Uh, Lundqvist has been very good up till this week where he's been pulled a couple times. But uh, again, I credit that more to the lack of defense than I do Henrik Lundqvist. I think that um, the window still isn't closed for this team. They still have uh, a decent core of players. They still need to, uh, you know, restock and whatever. And there should be nobody uh, left off the table as far as like McDonough, Zuccarello, um, you know, I, I really, I would move all these kids. Zibanejad I would keep, Brady Shea I would keep, and Lunquist I would keep. Otherwise, I'm fine and I'm open to
2: whoever. This is a team that until last year hadn't had a first-round pick in like yep. six years. They had gotten rid, gotten rid of them in trades because they were always going for it and they were always being buyers at the deadline, which as a fan you always like to see, especially in the short term when you have a chance to win a championship and you get guys like Amarty St. Louis and some of the guys that they had gotten. Um, so now – it's almost like you're paying for that where you have to get rid of these guys so that you can infuse that youth and those first round picks in there. Um, But the thing I want to little bit disagree about, but I asked you about in the group chat this week, Uh, it's a twofold question. Number one is I disagree a little bit that it's all on the defense. Henrik Lundqvist has given up some really bad goals, Uh, but he stood on his head at times this year for stretches weeks at a time. Um, I mean that goal against Bergeron the other night. That's just oh horrible. That, it's almost like a lack of focus. Like maybe he is deflated a little bit by the fact that this team just isn't well, playing so well. Well, I think he's so deflated, well.
1: and he's not the same Henrik Lundqvist. But he doesn't need to be either. He
2: shouldn't have to. Well, be actually, him. he yeah. has to be. he, yeah,
1: to he, to be he does it. need to be. I should rephrase that. Um, he shouldn't have to be, though. They should build a better team around him, and they haven't done that. Look at Brendan Smith, who they just put on waivers and now sent down. He's been horrible. That signing has been horrible. Uh, I loved it from the beginning. I thought he played well in the playoffs for them last year. And, uh, you know, it came out this week. Larry Brooks said he was at seven weddings during the offseason and, and didn't really train. And, you know, it's ridiculous. It's a wake-up call to him. Now you can go play in Hartford. Ride the bus.
2: Um, and then my second thing is is Alain Vigneault. Um, a lot of Ranger fans seem to want him out. I'm not so sure that I'm on that side if I'm a Ranger fan. I mean, the guy's won a lot. He hasn't gotten you to the Holy Grail. You haven't raised a cup with him, and that's going to be his thing. Um, but he's not known to be great with young players. Now there seems to be this divide between him and JT Miller. And and uh, what, what do you think about Vigneault and his future? And, and the thing I want to ask about Vigneault with Lundqvist is when Henrik Lundqvist gets benched three times in five games, even if it's him, do you have to just keep him in one of those games and let him finish? Isn't it not embarrassing that, it looks like now Henrik Lundqvist is Thomas Grice when you get pulled three times in five games. So Henrik Lundqvist, not, it's
1: well-known to Ranger fan. Uh, <clears> when he gets pulled, he takes it very personal. Him and Torell, got into it over it, and um, so I don't know how that's working out. Um, the whole A.V. thing, I happen to like A.V. I, I think he's a, a pretty good coach. You're right, he doesn't really develop the young players. Um, you've seen it this year with even Uh He's had Buchnevich on the fourth line, who, uh, to me, he needs to be playing minutes and learning and You know, that's a whole other thing. I think he's definitely going to get this year, like Gordon said. And I think he gets next year too, Rob. I
2: really do. I think they're really going to chalk this year up to injuries. Um, All right. Um, Islanders, real quick. I told you guys I wanted to rant, and you guys thought it was going to be about the Islanders sucking. And you thought it was going to be about how they lost to Buffalo after coming back on Friday night. My problem is with the Islander fans. And they are looking like Mets fans. You know, Overreactionary. Out of nowhere. So we talked about the Rangers. and I'm not going to rant, really, because we don't have much time. We have Rick Peterson coming on. I don't want to be cut short in the middle of it, and I don't want Rick to come on hearing me yell about something he probably knows nothing about. But, you know, the Rangers sent out that, uh, that uh, letter to the fans, and the Islander fans got a Newsday interview from uh, Garth Snow saying he's not going to trade his first-round picks for rentals. I agree with it. Islander fans are freaking out, uh, and now they want John Ledecky gone and they're killing John Ledecky. He doesn't care. John Ledecky uh, doesn't want to win. John Ledecky this. How stupid are you guys? This guy just got you in arena. This guy's been there for two years. They want him to fire people in the middle of the season. Um, if they listened listen to everything IELTS Twitter wanted to do, they would have traded Matt Barzell and two assets, including first-round pick, for Matthew Shane. Where would the you, team be right now? Were you at
1: the game last night, or did you watch on TV? So I
2: watched on TV. I Did work. you
1: see Ledecky uh, on every goal?
2: And, like he was, him.
1: And, and you're going to tell me, Islander Twitter, that he doesn't care and doesn't well, want to win? I, I've said it before to you. I wish he was the Mets owner. I really do.
2: Are you kidding me? He's been there two years, and you got they're writing letters to him now. First, you guys want him to fire the GM two weeks before the trade deadline? Like, there's some magical guy out there, other than me, that knows everything about the Islanders' farm system and players and prospects and pieces and is going to go out there and make four trades. And all of a sudden, this crappy defensive team that would give up three goals to my bruiser team and all of a sudden they're going to win the Stanley Cup because there's this magical GM out there that's going to turn them into the freaking LA
1: Kings I, get out of here! No, I don't think that guy is out there. But I think after the season, you have to get rid of Snow. Of
2: course, Gus Snow should have been fired five years ago. I My problem guy isn't there. that they don't like Snow. My problem is, is that they're overreactionary and they want something done at the wrong time. You don't fire a GM two weeks before the trade deadline. You just don't. I mean, you don't Knicks show fight, the instability. He
1: fired uh, Phil right uh, after it, the draft, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, their pick and get lost. so let me tell you.
2: Don't do what the Knicks do, because look where it gets the Knicks, <laughs> yes. okay? They should have fired Gar Snow five years ago, and I'll lead that charge every single day of the week and twice on Sunday. But don't sit here and tell me that this guy Ledecky doesn't care about the fans and doesn't want to win because he hasn't, in his first not even two years here, fired a GM that was given an enormous contract extension by Charles Wang to screw the Islanders, by the way. The right before Wang left, he gave an undisclosed amount of years extension to, um, Charles, uh, to Garth Snow and they had come off two playoff seasons. They last year had the same record as the Nashville Predators, who went to the Stanley Cup Finals and missed the playoffs by a point. I'm not saying that they're good. I'm not saying that that is what you should look for. Did but you guys, stop uh, with this. Ledecky hate, guys. Did you guys make an Islanders bet this year? I forget. Did you ever make that
1: official, um, Islanders-Rangers? I thought you made, Or it was Islanders points, wasn't it? I, Islanders I points was it me in peace not.
2: last year. Um, I, I'll tell you, it wouldn't be Islanders-Rangers – because um, I actually picked the Rangers to finish ahead of the Islanders. Um, it we, we did talk about a bet. We have to go I, back and, to go back uh, and listen look. to it. Um, I'll, yeah, probably, I'll probably end up winning it, honestly, because you're such a hater. You pro- they probably already have more wins than you already you thought they would have. I think it was Vegas points. I thought it was uh, a think, certain point I number. figured we would
1: go by points. Yeah. It
2: probably could have, but I, I wouldn't have bet that they'd finish ahead of the Rangers, because in, 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 before the season, I actually picked for the Rangers to finish ahead of the I Islanders. I
1: had them uh, winning the East.
2: You had, a, the you had a tweet
1: last night. You were tweeting about what Islander fans want about Tavares, how mad they would be if he leaves and they don't get anything in return. But I know where he's stand now. He, you can't trade him. You have to take that risk. No, you can't. But what's going to happen if he leaves and you'll get nothing in return? How – pissed everyone's gonna be, and then it lashes out at Ledecky. Who everyone's fine well, already. So, you know? so my
2: tweet was asking this, and, and if there's any Islander fan out there listening, like, and, wouldn't it be nice
1: if the virus would just say he's coming back? So of course, know trust it, me, and he won't do
2: it. Trust me. Um, the Rangers
1: next. But I before
2: have. the season, <laughs> but before the season started, he had said he didn't want to negotiate or talk about the contract in season. Um, it's becoming a distraction, regardless. A lot of people say they don't want to be a distraction. Well, it's a distraction it is, sure. because every time the Islanders lose, actually, I, let me rephrase it. Every time the Islanders give up a goal. There's Islanders out there, oh, Tavares is leaving, we gave up a goal, we're down one nothing in the first period of Detroit, Tavares must leave, he can't stay now, um, because Islander fans are the biggest idiots right now. Um, Agreed. They are. Not me, there I'm are sure Islander fans here. out there, that I can go an hour about it, they're like Mets fans, Mets are the same way, it'll be May 2nd, and there'll be one game behind uh, Washington, we're taking over, we have the best rotation in Major League history, Syndergaard and Harvey and Mets, and... And Wheeler, these guys, DeGrom, they're the best ever. Well, how's that worked out? That's what Islanders fans are. That's what Islanders fans are. They win four in a row. All of a sudden, you know, Barzell for Calder, Tavares going to win a heart, you know, uh, Letty's going to win the Norris. uh,
1: Your mind gets messed up when. But the question that you were asking about the tweet
2: before we get into Rick Peterson, who's joining us any minute now and over the top sports radio, is would you rather be mad at Tavares for spurning them or mad at the Islanders for trading him? which basically means we're not even going to take a chance at signing him in the offseason, which all along he said is, I'm going to stay with the Islanders. I want to stay with the Islanders. I just don't want to do it midseason. Who would you rather be mad at? I'd rather be pissed at Tavares. You should be. I feel like you can't get mad at the Islanders. You can't be there. mad if they're going to go all out to try to sign him and he doesn't stay. You can be mad at the franchise. Trust me, I've spent my whole life being mad at this franchise. And you could tell them I'm leaving. But Trust I'd me. rather be mad at Tavares. That he left. If he said,
1: trade me, they'll trade him. You know, they would have traded him. They were like, okay, we got to get something for someone of that value. You and if to- you
2: want to fire Garth Snow, there's a time and place to do it. And the time is in the off season. And you find your general manager. And that guy takes over in the off season. You don't give a general manager two weeks to, and say, hey, this is your new job. By the way, Islanders, Twitter, a bunch of idiots out there, they want you to go out and get Drew Dowdy, Patrick Kane, and Connor McDavid and not give up our first-round pick, okay? (laughs) So So go ahead and do that because the Islanders have to win this cup this year because otherwise Tavares will leave. And if they give up a goal in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals that you win, Tavares still may leave, according to half of Islanders Twitter, because you didn't shut him out. So stop. Stop. Garth Snow should be fired. He should have been fired in 2011. He should have never been hired to begin with. (laughs) But like I said to you, Mike, that letter that Ranger fans got, the Islanders should have written in 2007 when they started a rebuild. Well, that rebuild is 12 years in right now and has produced one playoff series win. So they should have taken that letter in 2007 and every single year just change the date at the top and just send it out to other fans. Hey, we're not trying to win. Hey, we're not going to do this. Hey, we're not going to do this. We've reached our uh, Islanders quota for the day, Robin. eight minutes on the New York Islanders. Listen, so, uh, I could have gone half an hour. I we have reached our, our
1: Islanders quota.
2: Well, we got to wait for Rick Peterson. Just wait till,
1: uh Tavares has gone. Elliot Freeman well, suggested uh, the Devils or the Rangers both can come knocking.
2: Uh, well, and what what I was
1: going to say, the well, Devils have caps Still hanging in there, the Devils. They haven't slipped off completely. Um the Metro division so tight. Every win matters so much. Every it's win. It's interesting uh, who's going to get in and not in the
2: playoffs. The start. Islanders are win tomorrow away from jumping ahead of the Devils, but they don't play today, and two teams could jump over them. I mean, it seems like division it's leapfrog every single day. Yep. There's a new
1: last place team every week, and I feel like the Islanders and Rangers have been switching there too as well. Uh, Carolina,
2: crazy. Philadelphia had been there before they got it, hot. The,
1: the sh- it shuffles so much. It's crazy. And as of now, the Islanders are in the playoffs with uh, 60 points. The Rangers have 57. Carolina has 59 and Philly has 61. The Devils are still in the there top There is a three. chance that 62.
2: depending on how so the games tight. go tonight, there is a chance that five teams in that division will be within two points. That, a... is, that is the opposite of the NBA yes. and oh, yeah. the baseball problem we talked about. You
1: definitely earn your way in the playoffs in the NHL. For sure. yeah, go ahead. Go quick in NBA news. The Kings just bought out Joe Johnson, and then he just signed with Golden the Rockets. State. Oh, Rockets. Oh, um, I knew. They're gonna going to go try Johnson. to
2: that guy is such a championship try whore yeah. you know? He just tries to go wherever he can win a championship and be like the ninth man on the bench.
1: Rob, you're not a Ranger fan, but real quick, uh, as we're waiting for Rick Peterson to join us, um, they trade McDonough, yes or no?
2: I don't know. Um, I think that if they do, they will get an enormous haul. Enormous haul. I think that a perfect fit for McDonough. Um, other than the Islanders, which is the perfect fit, but they won't trade their captain to the Islanders, and I right. understand that, is Tampa Bay. Nash, yes or no? Um, Nash will be moved. Grabner also will be moved. They made their deals with Tampa Bay before. Um, I think right. that McDonough on Tampa Bay. And Tampa has the pieces. And they have Girardi and Callahan. Yes. They have that Ranger connection. Right. Strawman's there. Yeah. Uh, they have a Victor Hedman injury right now that they've been trying to play through. And they've kind of lost their hold as a team to beat in the East because Boston's gotten so hot. Yeah. So they need to kind of counter that. And I think Ryan McDonough is the perfect fit for them. I agree with you. Um, I don't know where Nash will go. Um, he he, he can fit in a lot and of supposedly places. Supposedly
1: the first team on the list was uh, Nashville and the second team was Dallas. Of so. uh, where he would go? Yeah. Um, both interesting. Both. They West would Dallas never trade teams.
2: him uh, to Pittsburgh either, but imagine what he could do for that team. Yeah. That They're starting to make their move now. We talked about them and the Cavaliers, how in the second half of the season, we're going to see both of those teams make their move. But the Penguins have made their move right now. They're, already at second place in the metro. They were in last place, guys. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of weeks ago they were in last place. Um and they could use a guy like that who is actually Nash is underrated defensively. Yes. Um and he's a kill. good and he's a good skater. He can kill penalties. Yep. And if you put him on that second line in Pittsburgh, I could see him having one of those, you know 15 to 18, you know, game uh, after the deadline stretches with like 18 points. I agree with you. So when do the
1: Penguins fire their coach and win the cup again? <laughs> when do they? They're gonna lose two well, more games the
2: rest of the year. Well, if the Penguins Twitter is anything like I Islanders Twitter, they should have done it a couple during, of times. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Zuccarello? Uh, Rob Rob asked on on uh, Facebook. Uh, does he I get moved or do he you gets keep moved, him?
1: But I'm fine if he does. I don't think he's the same player since that terrible injury that he had, uh, where he's actually in the hospital and it was pretty severe. Huge fan favorite. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he goes. I think Nash goes. Uh, I think, um, listen, if it's me, McDonough is only value will only
2: go down, Rob.
1: So I'm with you. You can
2: get a haul now. I would do it. Uh, and I've, i like I said, none of these guys that we're talking about are centers because they've already let Broussard and uh, Stepan go in, in separate deals. Um, and I, I, I thought that not having those centers was going to really hurt the Rangers. Um, and now, you know, we're going to see what they do in the off season. But they make these deals, and everybody says that Nash and Grabner are going to end up coming back. I don't know if I'd give the money to both. I, think, uh, I don't because I think that they really do need um, to get a little bit younger and Grabner's got that speed. But what's the first thing that goes with age? And if they're going to overpay in terms of years for Grabner, eventually that speed's going to catch up with them.
1: I agree with you. And it uh, looks like Boone's giving us a signal uh, that we do have Rick Peterson on the line, former Mets pitching coach. Rick, how are you, sir?
2: Great. How are you guys doing? Excellent, excellent. Thank you for joining us on Over the Top Sports Radio and uh, – you know, what's new with you lately? I mean, we the book Crunch Timeout. You got RickPetersonCoaching.com, uh, your keynote speaker. Seems like you're keeping busy off the field.
0: Oh, it's a lot of fun projects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not only speaking, but, you know, but also doing some teaching and doing some consulting with a technology company. A lot of really good stuff happening.
1: And uh, Rick, I read the book Crunch Time. And uh, first of all, for anyone that uh, runs a business, owns a business, I think it's a must read. It teaches great uh, leadership qualities for an athlete. um, Absolutely. Just the way that you've impacted athletes. It's described in the book. um, Very good. But I also, Rick, and uh, you can tell me if you agree with me. I think it applies to anybody on day to day uh, their life with just dealing with anxiety and how they can turn uh, negatives into a positive. Would you agree?
0: There's no question about it. You know, first of all, there's over 45 million people in our country alone that have anxiety disorders. And, and, and what I've learned from as a coach and then also in the project of doing this book um, in the business sector and some of the elite performers in business is that everybody deals, everybody deals with pressure in their own way. And literally what happens in, in that midst of pressure, you know, whether it's career pressures, financial pressures, family pressures, You know, if you're in sports, you know, some kind of performance anxiety. But everybody deals with fear, worry, and doubt. And fear, worry, and doubt stand on four basic legs. It's a lack of preparation, a lack of talent, a lack of knowledge, and a lack of insight. So so in that moment where fear, worry, and doubt is overcoming you, if you could push the pause button and ask yourself, am I prepared? Do I have the talent to perform this? Do I have the knowledge and do I have the insight? If the answer is yes, then fear, worry, and doubt is only fiction. And that allows you to push that pause button and allows you to to choose a different response. And you have to really ask yourself, do I want to respond this way at this moment? And if the answer is no, we we have a choice that we can make a different choice and respond in a much different way. And this is what I've learned from the Tom Glavins, the Pedro Martinez's, the Trevor Hoffman's, you know, all, all these great athletes that I've been around. That they, they, what makes them so special, they look, they look at pressure situations as opportunities. I mean, I thought it was really interesting in Derek Jeter day when they were interviewing Derek Jeter, and one of the questions they asked him, they said, Derek, do you ever get nervous during the course of a game? He goes, Yeah, when my teammates are batting. <laughs> I thought it was real interesting.
1: Um, Rick, another big part of the book is, is laughter and, uh, mm-hmm. and how important that is. And they get, uh, the example is used with you go out there going to Jason Isringhausen in the playoffs, and he tells you he can't feel his legs. Um, was On your mound visits to pitchers, was laughter the number one tool that you would use to, to try and break the ice for them?
0: Well, I think I wouldn't say the number one tool, but, but laughter, you need to have laughter in your toolbox. And one of the things that we recommend to people in everyday life, including our athletes, is that be, because of the use of technology and the access that we have to it, it would be really great if, like, on your phone, you know, whether it's a YouTube or whether it's a videotape or whether it's a, a movie clip, something that when you watch this, this really makes you laugh. I mean, like it's a real laughter response. Because when you're laughing, it's impossible to be nervous and have anxiety when you're laughing. The, 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 the two cannot coexist. So, so people who laugh, and I think one of the – one of the great lines in, in the in the book comes from Iron Ed, who was a, a famed uh, decorated Navy SEAL, and he said we were so prepared when we went into battle that we called we called the mission literally monkey business. And and he and when I was talking to him as we were you know preparing for the book and and getting um, collecting all this content for the book, he said literally we would be in, in the midst of of, of of enemy fire, and we would literally be laughing we, we would like say wow. something that would really, really re, relax each other to make to make us laugh. so one of the things that again, like we suggest for people on a coaching tip is on your phone, literally at your fingertips, you know have, have two or three like really go to moments that really make you laugh, whether it 's something you read or whether it 's a videotape or a movie <laughs> clip because when you because when you can go to that place and you can really see. You know, you, you see things in a different way where you can bring some humor to it. So in that story, which was really interesting, so when Izzy was closing out the, the second game of the playoffs after September 11th, game three was Jeter's backflip. We, we would have swept the Yankees if Jeter doesn't make the greatest play of all time in the history of, of, of postseason. But, but Izzy came in with a two-run lead in the bottom of the ninth inning for game two. We had won the first game. And after Bernie Williams leads off with a double and he walks Tino Martinez with a the, with the winning run at home plate, Jason Giambi runs over to talk to Izzy. Um, and as I'm sitting in the dugout, I turn to Art Howard, manager. I said, Art, I need to go to the mound. He goes, Yeah, absolutely. And that's when I went to the mound and I literally put my hand on his shoulder. And when I did, he was literally quivering. And I said, Izzy, are you okay? He, he, he said, Rick, I, 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 I can't feel my legs. I said, Yeah, but the good news is we don't need the leg to kick a field goal. We need your arm to make a pick. So, anyway, he relaxed and closed out the game. But afterwards, I asked him, I said, what did Giambi say when he came over to talk to you? He, he said he asked me if I was okay, and I said, gee, I I, I I can't feel my legs. So, Giambi looks at the sellout crowd in Yankee Stadium, and he pans the whole scene, and he turns back to Izzy. He goes, dude, just relax. He goes, it's okay if you screw this up. Nobody's watching. <laughs> so, So so he had that sense of humor right there
2: to relax Izzy, even in that moment. So my first part of the question for you is, are you wearing your jacket while we speak right now? Because he always had the jacket on. But the second part is, you know, you mentioned how you put your hand on his shoulder. And that's been the thing, too, that people talked about was, you know, just like kind of that personal feel, just kind of like a a relaxation tool where, you know, maybe not a lot of people realize out there that haven't read your book or don't think too much about the psychology of pitching, but – being a pitchy coach is a lot more than just mechanics and, and you know, what's to throw, but it's also really the psychology
0: part of it too. Without question. Well, number one I do have my jacket on right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think more more than anything else it's the what the number one skill really I really felt for a major league pitching coach is, is, is the mental game. And I have my educational but my my, my educ my degree is in sports psychology, you know, literally the mental game. And and I think to your point, first of all, I grew up in a I both both sides of my family, both both my grandparents on both my mom and dad's side of the family, you know, we had a fairly big family and, and it was the kind of family like when you stopped over like say after dinner just to visit and you got your brothers and sisters and your cousins. It's like when you were leaving, like it takes you an hour to get out the door because everybody's gotta hug each other like five times, you know. So so I came from that kind of family. That it was, you know, we were always like, like, you know, affectionate, you know, always a hug or a hand on your shoulder, whatever, and and that's really kind of my personality, you know, normally, but 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 especially when you have this bond, you know, with with, with the people that you're coaching and the people that you're working with, that that in the midst of of that kind of pressure situation in the game, you know, th- there seems to be. You know, it's interesting because the pitching coach is the only, think about this, it's the only person in all of sports that literally can call timeout and run out to the mound and have a private meeting with someone on the field in the midst of the game. Nobody else ever right. does it. And, and they and want it, to spoil the game now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and one of the books I read early in my career was Ken Blanchard's bestseller, famed bestseller, The One Minute Manager, because I really realized that yeah, I'm a one minute manager. In the midst of a game, when all the money's on the table, it's imperative to get this person's mind back in the right place, being very task-oriented and being very, very present and mindful to what's the situation and what exactly do I need to do here to be successful. And that's truly the one-minute manager. So I think from that standpoint, there became that bond that it's like, look, I'm not coming out here just to give you free advice. We're coming out here to get through this together. You know, we're all in this together. We've laid a game plan out together in the course of that five days for your, or if you're a reliever, you know, we talked about it before the game, how you're going to approach this guy in this particular situation. So it's just kind of like just a reminder, you know, it's a real, it's a real special moment and, and to get people's minds calm and focused on, on, on the process of performing.
1: You were famous for saying you could fix any of Victor Zambrano's flaws in 10 minutes. Um, why were you so confident? What were the flaws that you saw in that?
0: Well, first of all, that's not true. So do you want to have a conversation about something that's not true or you want to know the truth? <laughs> We'd love uh, to
1: know the truth. I guess give us the truth.
0: Well, th- th- this is going to be a longer segment than what we asked for then. So so, <laughs> so, what happened was, um, number one, I didn't know Victor Zambrano at all, other than the fact that he pitched against us one time when I was in Oakland. And I didn't know Scott Kazmir until he came to spring training, and I knew Scott for about four or five days because we knew he was going to get sent down. But we we did get a biomechanical analysis of Scott Kazmir as well as nine other pitchers prior to spring training, so I knew what his, I knew the inside of his delivery. So as this, as all these trade talks were going down, Jim Duquette came to me and said, Yeah, we got a chance to get Victor Zabrano. If he's come on in and watch some videotapes, tell me what you think. So. I was in there. Jack Lopon was in there. You know, we had several people from the front office in there. So as we were watching the videotape, I, I asked Jim, I said, he goes, well, what would you do? What would you do with this delivery? I, could, I said, well, I can see why he doesn't touch strikes. I mean, I mean, Victor Zimbrano's batting average against him, against righties and lefties was right at 200 with very few home runs. He had a lot of strikeouts, but he walked a lot of people. That was his real downside. And I said, to, I said to everybody in the room, I said, this delivery is not going to throw strikes. So they said, what would you do? I said, well, Jim, you stand up and you'd be Victor Zembrano and then I'll take you through it and I'll show you a couple drills that we would do. So I took Jim through a couple slight little adjustments that we would make. And he goes, wow, is it that simple? I said, yeah, if he's willing to make some changes. I said, we've done this with probably about 50, 60 pitchers in the organization. These are real simple adjustments. It's kind of like shifting furniture in the room. You want to move the couch over on the other side of the room and the chair on the other side. It's pretty simple, really. And, and and as long as someone's willing to make some adjustments. You know, they're just simple adjustments. And so so about, we had about another week before the trade deadline, so I asked the trainers, I said, you know, what I hear that Victor Zembrano has some uh, tightness in his forearm. He said, yeah, he's, he's taken VIOPS for his forearm. He's got like a, you know, it's just really tender. Well, after we made the, tra- so, the day before we made the trade, Art Howe and I were in the office, in his office in Montreal. We were playing the Expos, and we had a conference call back to New York. So it was about an hour-long, hour-and-a-half-long conference call, and Art and I really just listened because we didn't know anything about Zimbrano or Kastner, or everybody on the phone. So ironically enough, Bill Livesey, who was one of the – he was he a top guy in Tampa when Victor Zimbrano was there. He came over to be a special assistant for the Mets. He loved, he loved Victor Zambrano and he knew him very well. Cause he was with Victor for several years in Tampa. And um, I'm trying to think of naming the scouting director. Um, I'll think of um, Al- Al- Al it. Al-, Al-, Al Goldis was a scouting director for Cincinnati before he came over to the Mets. He could have taken Scott Casmir prior to the Mets. They, they drafted before the Mets. He chose not to, based on the information he found out from his group of scouts, there were certain things that they did not like about Scott Casimir. Um, So he didn't, they chose not to take him. So those are the two biggest influences. So on the phone towards the end of the uh, the last couple minutes of the phone uh, conference call, someone on the phone call asked me from New York, said, you know, Rick, I mean, Sombrano's delivery, how long is it going to take to, you know, to make these adjustments? I said, you know, it's about a 10 minute thing, you know I mean? They're very simple adjustments. We'll take him down to the bullpen, and, you know, if he's open to making some changes, he can do this very quickly, but then he's got to practice it. So the next day, that's what I said on the telephone. So the next day, I get a call from from my oldest son. He said, Dad, I just watched uh, uh, baseball tonight, and Tim Kirchner said Rick Peterson could fix Simbrano in 10 minutes. I said, what? I said, where the heck did he get that from? So I talked to Tim Kirchner in spring training. I said, Tim, so, like, who called you on that phone call? I said, you have my phone number. I said, if you wanted a comment from me, why don't you give me a call? And he said, well, he goes, you know, I mean, Rick, I mean, you know, like, I mean, you know, I mean, like, I said, geez, you normally don't stutter. Why are you stuttering now? I said, who called you? And he said, well, I can't really say that, but it was a compliment because the people on the phone call felt like, you know, we had a pitching coach that could help pitchers in Bronco. And I said, well, I mean, to come out and say I could fix him in ten minutes. Number one, I don't, I don't believe that. Number two, I, I don't, I would never say that publicly. I don't even know Victor Zambrano until we get him. I mean, I'm, I'm confident that people with his characteristics of delivery, and and it's unbelievable. So, so for two years, every time Victor Zambrano pitched, and every time Casimir pitched, I'm getting blasted on the fan by by Mike and the Mad and so now we're doing, we're, and, and so now we're doing a. Um, we had a, an event in January, or you know before spring training, like the caravan event, and so we were on. We, we did their show. The whole the whole team did their show in in the Hard Rock Cafe. So I was the last one to go on at the seven o'clock, quarter to seven hour, six forty five. So after after the segment was over both both mike and 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 chris mad dog said well rick what a shame like you took the you you had to take the hit for that trade i said what are you talking about they said oh we know what happened in that trade i said well what happened they knew more about what happened in that trade than i did i said if that's the case why are you killing me every time this goes on and they started laughing they said rick don't you get new york and i said i don't tell me what what am i missing they said never let the truth stand in the way of a good story. I said I said for two so I said for two years. I said I would I mean I literally I literally the couple days before spring training it was like right about this time it was like this time of year and um, my kids were living, my kids were with me they were in high school at the time and I'm, I'm cooking a big Italian meal for them. And I got a, I got the dish in the oven, and I open up the cabinet because I'm going to spring training. You're trying to use all the stuff before you leave because you're gone for like you know the next seven months. And so I needed a can of crushed tomatoes, and I said, Ah, oh, geez. You know, I got 25. You know, the oven was on the timer for I have 25 more minutes. I said I can make it down there and back. So I go down to the store, and I'm, you know I got my jacket on, obviously, right, and hat, and you know I'm standing there with a can of tomatoes. And this lady standing behind me was about 70. Her hair, was, her hair looked like Einstein's hair. It was like all over the place. So she's leaning on her shopping cart, and she obviously couldn't hear, so she talked very loud. So in this midst of the grocery store, she goes, I know who you are. And I said, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, you know, keep the faith, man. We're going in the right direction. She goes, I just have one question for you. I said, yeah, huh. what's up? Said, Is 10 minutes up on and Zimbarno yet? <laughs> <laughs> I said, lady, take a break, will you? And I, and I I don't know if you guys remember this, but when Victor is, at his second year, he threw a pitch in Shea Stadium, grabbed his elbow, and ran off the field. He he, he went into right. He went into the. They took and they were, they were putting uh, an X-ray on his elbow. I walked in there after the inning was over, and he literally put his. I had my arm around him. He, he literally put his face on my chest and just like cried like a baby, like five years old. And he said, "You know what?" He said, "I never threw one pitch healthy here, not one." Well, if you remember, we made the trade say on a Wednesday, and Victor was supposed to pitch for us on a Friday or Saturday, but he couldn't. He couldn't pitch because, it, as it turned out, he was five days. He was five days on a steroid med pack, and we went. He went to our team doctor for an examination. He left and flew to L.A. to see Yokum, Doctor Yoakum, Dr. Yoakum for an examination he flew from la to birmingham to see dr andrews so within three days he had three major exams by two of the top doctors in the the world that understand tommy john he had already had a tommy john surgery he couldn't pitch for us for over nine days and i read the report from all three doctors they said that the integrity of the ucl the only collateral ligament is in major danger and I went back to our people. I said, "Why are we not getting Casimir back? This guy's damaged goods right now. His arms—his arms like really bad." And from that trade, our team doctor got fired, our team trainer got fired, Tampa Bay's team trainer got fired, and there's now a new protocol from that trade, a new protocol in the commissioner's office of how medical information gets passed between teams before a trade will be approved. Wow,
2: that's crazy. I never, I never knew that. Um yeah, 1153 over
0: not. the of course not. <laughs> uh
2: 1153 over the Top Sports Radio, Rick Peterson joining us right now. Uh Rick, I just wanted to ask you, you know, as a, a big Braves fan in the 90s and then you got to uh work with Zito, Mulder and Hudson and then uh recently you know some of these guys are Mets fans with with the Mets young pitching. What's the greatest pitching staff that you've seen in your time? Was it one of the – or was it the Orioles staff in the late 60s? Was it that Braves in the 90s or somebody maybe that I'm missing?
0: Um, I think you probably nailed most of them. I mean, all, all those staffs were great. Um, I, I'm not – I have to honestly say I'm not a real big baseball historian as far as going back and, you know, like – I mean, I, I am in a mild way, but not like, you know, in a crazy way, like you know, remember the two-two pitch in the fifty-eighth World Series in the seventh inning. You know, I, I, that's not really where my mind is. I, I'm I'm more interested in why people are really good and and what makes them so good. And then with the p, and I'm more focused on the people that I'm coaching. But you know, obviously, you know, the Brave staff is probably you know probably one of the best in the history of the game. You know, and I don't think you can compare errors. You know, because they're not they're not comparable really. The equipment's not the same. It's just like comparing, you know, errors in golf. You know, how can you go back to a Ben Hogan and compare him to a Rory McIlroy, you know? I mean, the equipment's changed, you know, everything's changed. You know, but but when you look at the, the best staff I ever had was, was Mulder, Hudson, Tito, on that staff. And Corey Lightle, I think, won 14 games that year as well. Um, wow. But th- those are some really special guys. And, and what made them so special, and this is what I think is where – the met young pitchers now with the with Grom and Syndergaard and Harvey and, you know, Mats and so on and then on a wheeler. Um, I think y- y- what you hear, you didn't hear, let me qualify. When you faced the Brave staff, no one really talked about what great stuff they had. They talked about what great pitchers they were. And the same thing with Mulder, Hudson, Zito. People said, yeah, they have good stuff, but that wasn't what people talked about. They talked about what great pitchers they are and, and that whole art of pitching. And and with the Mets pitchers, everybody got so enamored with their stuff. But if you can't locate, if you can't make great pitches consistently, I mean, that that's the difference maker. And, and I think they got so enamored with their stuff that everybody talked about their stuff and no one... They did. They really. They're just on the cusp, you know. Of maybe Degrom is probably more advanced pitching wise than than all of them. Um, I think I think Syndergaard is right there when he's healthy, obviously. But but Harvey, Harvey, Harvey stuff at the end of the season last year was plenty good enough to win, without question. His location was terrible. I mean that that's why he didn't pitch well. You know. So I think from that standpoint. You know, I think this staff still has some major, major, major upside, and, and hopefully the, you know, the perspective of, of, you know, the new people coming in here with Dave Island and, and you know, and Mickey, you know, that they can, they can get these guys in, in, in the right frame of mind to, in order to out, you know, to really untap their potential.
1: Yep, you guys there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we just had a a little difficulties there, Rick. Sorry about that. Um uh player analysts from you. Um we want to start with uh Shui Otani, the new Japanese pitcher of the Angels just required. Have you uh do you think this guy's gonna be any good? What should you be
0: expecting from him? Well just just looking at his you know, watching videotape of him and then obviously listening to the people some of the uh analysts uh from talking to the scouts that have actually seen him um, I, I think his his pitching projects, you know, right now, without question. I don't I don't think you're going to get a, a feel for how his hitting projects until he actually starts to hit against major league pitching, because you know the overall pitching in in Japan is not is is not as good as what it is obviously in the states. Um, but but pitching, but the ability to locate pitches and the quality of his pitches that that trans that translates without question. Um, but I, I think it's going to be really exciting. I, I think it's great that people have an open mind to take a player like this and, and to be able to look at him as a two-way player. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting to to like really kind of get to know his personality. We really don't know anything about his personality other than that other than that one you know press press conference that they had when they signed him. But I, I think it's going to be. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun to really like observe and just take a look at like, is this going to turn out to be what everybody hopes? And I think everybody hopes that he's going to be a two-way player and be really good at both.
1: And uh, Rick, we just want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, I do wish we had a little more time with you. Um, for everyone listening, rickpetersoncoaching.com. That's the website. The book is Crunch Time. Uh, I personally read it. It was terrific. And, uh, and Rick's even into keynote speaking now, uh, all on his website. The information is there. Rick, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully during the season, uh, we'll be lucky enough to talk to you again.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Looking forward to it, guys.
1: Thank you, Rick. And uh, again, for everyone on the it. website, uh, rickpetersoncoaching.com. A lot of good stuff up there. Crunch Time, the book. Uh, I bought it off Amazon. It was here in two days. Uh, quick read. I read it. It was absolutely terrific. Rick, thank you again.
0: My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. Take care. You too. All right, you guys. on Facebook Live. I not you have
1: Good night, everybody. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport no S, and on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.